Good morning, everyone. Hello and welcome to Thomas Risley this morning. Um, welcome if you're in the building. Welcome if you're online, on Zoom. And welcome if you're watching later on YouTube. Um, I'm going to hand straight over to whoever's doing the next bit. Don't forget to keep yourselves on mute. Do you want me to mute this one? See you in a bit. Thank you, Helen. On this Trinity Sunday, we have come before you, Lord, to offer our praise and adoration. You are God, the creator, giving us richly all things to enjoy. You are Christ, the saviour of the world, made flesh to set us free. You are the spirit of truth and love, willing to dwell in us. You are holy and blessed, one God, eternal trinity. Be near to us, the people formed in your image and close to the world your love brings to life. Let us pray. God, our Father, as you bring light into darkness and hope to our world, as your son Jesus brings comfort to those suffering and a full life for all. As the Holy Spirit brings joy to our hearts and everyday miracles of change in our world, we come to worship you and to offer our praise. As we look towards a life where we can live more openly as restrictions ease from the pandemic, we offer our gratitude for the strength you have given us to persevere through all the hardships of the past year and praise you for the prospect of new beginnings. We thank you, Lord God, that you have always come to your people in the past. For your presence and guidance through centuries, you have led generations through the wilderness that life can be. When they have been lost, you have searched for them. When they have been in deepest struggle and exile, you have brought them back home. For your love and commitment to all people, we stay so close. We praise you, God. We thank you that you came to us now in our lives. As we look ahead once more in worship, you speak to us. In our journey through life, you go with us. And when we look for a way, we can see it in your son, Jesus. For your love, which calls us to follow, we praise you, God. We give thanks, God, for the times when you will come to us in the future. When our lives are troubled, you will be there for us. Your promises will remain. You will hold us fast. Your son, Jesus, will give us the strength, peace and comfort to go on. For your love, which holds us forever, we praise you, God. Lord, for the times when we have ignored the path that you have led for us. When we have rejected your promises of change, forgiveness and hope. When we have spurned your generous hospitality. For the times when we have been too busy to do the right thing in your name, even though we know we should have. For the times when we've made excuses rather than act. Forgive us, Lord. We are but sometimes sinners and ragged saints. Help us to be renewed and refreshed once more, 
to rejoice again in you, to live every day as a step forward, living our lives always in your light and to spark that light to shine again in church and nation. We offer you these prayers in the name of Jesus, our Saviour who lived and died for us. Amen. Tim and Anne are now going to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thank you, Tim and Anne. And now we're going over to church for the birthdays. I am not on mute. Good morning to everybody. Um, this is the time, and once again, I get to ask everybody, has anybody had any birthdays this week? So I've got two lots of people here. A bit further back. I've got people here. Anybody? No? Anybody Anybody in their homes? Had a birth- They're going to have a birthday this week? Yes, no, yes, no. Yes. Oh, oh, the screen here is smaller than that. Who is it? Oh, down there. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I had my bed this way. Right. So then, good morning. When is the, when, woo, when's the birthday? Fred's first. Right. And is it you? Yeah. Right, you're going to have to pronounce your name for us all now so we get it right. Oh. Ooh. That was on Friday, last Friday, not this Friday, sorry. Right. We all get that. Ology. 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 Yeah. That one. Right. Sing here if you like. Oh, you're on air. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Luigi. Happy birthday to you. It's so encouraging to know that I'm as good as names now as I was a year ago. But there we go. <laughs> You're right. So I, I hand back now, I think, is it to music? Do yes. we have a song? We do. We have a song. Indescribable. From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Creations revealing your majesty From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring 
Every creature unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing, God All powerful, untamable All struck we fall to our knees As we humbly proclaim Told every lightning bolt where it should go Or seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow Who imagined the sun and gives source to its light Yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night can fathom indescribable uncontainable you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name you are amazing God all powerful untamable all struck we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim you are Now we're going to listen to our readings from the Old and New Testament. Hi. Uh, this is the reading from John 16, verses 12 to 15. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make from known to you. Amen. Genesis 18, starting at verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamah while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. 
Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried in the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sheaths of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd, selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Thank you, Angela and Kate. So today is Trinity Sunday, and I thought we'd begin with a game of sorts. I'm a great fan at home, and so are my children, of the TV show, Would I Lie to You? And one of our favourite parts is when a mystery guest comes on, and the three contestants have to introduce that mystery guest as who it is that they, it means to them. So, for example, this is John. He is our gardener. Or this is John. I met him on the top of Mount Everest. Or this is John, the alien that arrived in our garden last summer. And the folk on the panels have to try and work out which is the true John. So we're going to try that this morning. I'm going to share with you six different ways that the Trinity has been introduced to me over the years by various different people. And while I'm doing that, maybe you could try and work out if you can spot the real Trinity amongst them. So we're going to start with the egg. Okay. So, to me, the Trinity is an egg. In one egg, you have the white, the yolk, and the shell composing one egg. Next, we have water. This is Trinity. The Trinity is water. Water has three states solid, liquid, and gas. And although the water changes forms, it is still H2O. Just as water changes forms, so too is the Trinity. This is Trinity, the clover. To me, Trinity is a three-leaf clover. There are three different cloves that represent the three different persons of the Trinity. This is Trinity, the man. To me, Trinity is a man who is a father, husband and son. Although he is one, he has different roles to different people. The Trinity is like this man. This is Trinity. To me, the Trinity is the sun in the sky. 
you have the star, the light, and the heat. And finally, this is Trinity, the apple. To me, the Trinity is three layers of an apple, the peel, the flesh, and the core. Just as the peel protects the apple, God the Father protects humankind. An apple has flesh. Jesus was God, made flesh. And the core of the apple, like the Holy Spirit, contains the seeds. So, a lot to think about. Six different images. The egg, water, the clover, man, the sun, and the apple. I'm not going to ask you to tell me which one you thought Trinity was, if you thought the real Trinity was amongst any of them. But it's interesting. All of these have been been ways of introducing me to Trinity over the years. I will go through them one by one and we'll see if you were correct. Starting with the egg. The egg stated that there was one egg with the white yolk and the shell. So three parts composing one full egg. However, this analogy denies the unity of the Godhead. The problem is that an egg yolk is very different in substance than its shell. Also, the egg is made up of three distinct and unlike parts. So this analogy actually teaches what we call the heresy of tritheism. Okay, going on to water. This analogy with the different, with water changing forms, denies the distinction of the Godhead. The problem is that this, with this, is that no one molecule of H2O can actually exist as a solid, liquid and gas at the same time. As a result, the water molecule must change forms and it cannot simultaneously exist in three different states. This analogy actually teaches, therefore, the heresy called modalism. The three-leaf clover with three different parts of the clover that represent the three persons of the Trinity. The problem with this is that it denies the unity of the Godhead. The analogy breaks down because the three clothes are overly distinct and cannot represent the unity of God. As a result, this leads to tritheism, in which three different gods are, are di- there are three different gods which share some like substance. That again is partialism and again is heresy. The man. There is one man with three different roles to different people. This denies the distinction of the persons of, in the Godhead. The, it breaks down because I cannot be simultaneously a father, son and son to any one person. In reality, I change my role on depending who I'm interacting with. And this teaches again the heresy of modalism. The sun in the sky. This is Arianism, a theology which states that Christ, the Holy Spirit, are creations of the Father and not one in nature with him exactly like how heat and light are not the star itself, but are merely creations of the star. And that, again, is heresy. So we're left with the apple. And unfortunately, this, again, is heresy because it's partialism revisited. So if you didn't spot the Trinity within any of those descriptions, well done, because they're all heretical. 
There are all ways that I've been taught in churches from a very small child up to much later adult years of how what the Trinity is. And I will admit, I've used some of those analogies myself. So what is the truth? Will the real Trinity reveal themselves? So here we go. This is Trinity. I am Trinity, the glorious triune God. I am a mystery which cannot be comprehended by human reason, but is understood only through faith and is best confessed in the words of the Athanasian creeds, which states, go, we worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence. The person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is another, and that of the Holy Spirit is still another. But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one, their glory equal, their majesty co-eternal. Wow. Thank you to Colin for putting those up there for us. Now, I'm not very good with numbers. Three in one and one in three is quite beyond me to understand. And it seems that I do a little better with words, as you can see from the beginning of my talk today. Three persons, one substance, distinct in unity, are phrases that do little more to help me understand the Trinity. So I'm encouraged by the words of Augustine. If you can get your mind around it, it cannot be God. At least I'm not alone in my ignorance. Perhaps we're not really meant to understand God in this lifetime. Surely God's beyond our comprehension after all. So why do I try to do this at all? Why do I bother? Because even in my stumbling contemplations, in my inadequate thinking and my doomed to failure discernment, I am following my heart. A heart like so many others that desires God. When we desire something, someone, when we love them with our hearts and souls, we want to know all we can about them. We thirst to understand them. We are drawn to get closer to them and experience all we can of them. For me, the small understanding I have of the Trinity calls for me to understand more not as some mystery or as a complex puzzle begging to be solved, but because of its beauty. So I keep on trying to understand more. And I'm not alone there. The early church spent literally centuries trying to understand what the Trinity was. When they eventually settled on the correct doctrine of the glorious triune God and the creeds to state that belief, they didn't stop there. They continue to explore and think about and discover not the what of the Trinity, but the how. How does God exist in Trinity? Over the centuries, many theologians have tried to understand the Trinity and written many teachings, theologies to answer the how of the Trinity as they sought to know God better. But as I said earlier, words don't always work, do they? Well, at least they don't for me. Sometimes a picture is worth a thousand of them. And we've got one here a by a theologian, an artist who thought about God, Rublev. And he drew the icon that's on our screen at the moment. 
Its title is Abraham's Hospitality, and it depicts the story that we heard read by Kate earlier on today. It isn't certain whether the three, there were three guests that Abraham entertained, or only one. And Rublev has used this story, along with many others, to explore what the Trinity is. So you won't be surprised to know that the more common name for this picture is Rublev's Trinity. He has used the icon to draw us into exploring the how of the Trinity. So we're going to have a look at it now. And for those of you on the phone, bear with me. I hope my descriptions will be good enough for you to follow what's being said. In our picture, there are three angels. Each angel represents one part of the Trinity, distinct as Father, Son and Spirit. Yet each has a halo representing their equality. And each has a staff showing that they have equal authority. Each share the same face. They could almost be triplets, suggesting their inseparability. The angels are gazing at each other. They share the same expression. Their bodies and postures are alike and form a circle of unity and oneness. They seem to be giving themselves to each other, absorbed in each other, living in and for each other. One in three, three in one. The perfect expression of love. The picture Reblov paints is of a God of interdependent relationship, inseparable, very much reflecting the doctrine and the teachings of the early church fathers. In this picture, the angels sit around a table. They are gathered together. But the table also suggests space for this inseparable trinity to be who they are. Reflecting the church teaching that the trinity gives room for each person of the trinity to flourish rather than be overwhelmed by the other. And if you can believe it, there's even more. The picture shows a circle made up by the three figures, but it's a broken circle. The figures leave a space at the bottom of the picture, a space for us to enter into this loving relationship, to participate in this Tritarian life, in community, in its human reflection, the church. As it says in the book of Acts, for it is in him we live and move and have our being. That is the meaning and purpose of worship, of being church, of being Christian, to be drawn into, to indwell the very life and being of God. It is a remarkable painting, which includes so much more than even I have covered this morning. And many people have reflected on it over the years and been inspired by it. And I'd like to share with you a poem written by the poet Neil Booth, after he viewed the icon, the Trinity, a poem. There they sit eternally, encircling the table, the angelic three, and yet not angels, holy Trinity. Here I stand in time, aware of love, inviting me to join them there, and in their circling fellowship to share. Entering, I hear them say, 
I am the end of journeying, the way. Where now arrived, you shall forever stay. Love again then speaks his word. This joy grows deeper as the bliss is shared. At that I turn and beckon to the curd. And now they join the ring of grace. And side by side we share the three's embrace. Until we welcome others to this place, widening still the circle grows as each bring others to the love that flows. And in the bringing, true belonging knows. Limitless declares the three, love spreading circle has no boundary. And in its compass, all one day will be. So, how is this loving circle seen today in its human reflection in the church? I have a few suggestions. It is seen in the interdependence of our church structure within the church meeting and our discernment there. It is seen in the co-equality of our ecclesiology, the way we do church, where ministers, our elders and members of the church, no one independent and self-sufficient, no one with authority above the other. It is seen in the mutuality of our pastoral care as we express our care and love for each other. It is seen in our understanding of ministry, where each person is valued as themselves with their unique gifts and virtues. It is seen in our expression of community, loving and reaching out to all. It is seen in our work to protect and cherish God's creation, witnessing as we acknowledge our interconnectedness. It is seen in our church's theology that demands unity in diversity, the distinct in unity, an understanding that allows space for each to flourish. It is seen in our inclusive ethos, our community work, our hospitality, the open spaces which welcome the other. But today is not a day for certainties and giving you the answers or even myself the answers, but rather a day for wonderings. The Trinity Sunday encourages us to see some of the early church's inquisitiveness, passion and courage. It reminds us of the importance of examining the difficult questions of our faith, because the answers you may well get might just be beyond beautiful. And so we're going to join together for the song Beautiful One Now.
time for prayers for the local community and the wider world. We pray, Lord, for a global fight against COVID-19. And we pray with thanks in this country. Although the cases arise in places, there are much fewer people dying from the disease. And our hospitals are not overwhelmed. We pray, Lord, for the continuing rollout of our vaccines across the world. We are looking at continued success in the UK. As we look at the continued success in the UK, we pray for the nations where the rollout is not as good. Where millions, tens of millions, possibly hundreds of millions, are still suffering. They're still not vaccinated. We pray for the UK as we gradually come out of lockdown. We pray for our local communities as our businesses recover and grow. We pray for a safe return back to a pre-pandemic world. 
Praise Lord for all those with illnesses, seen and unseen. How this last 14 months has affected us all mentally, and some much more, you think. We pray for our church here in Birchwood. As we plan our services in the coming months, as we look with your eyes on the needs of our community and how you want us to serve. We pray for hope to shine like this morning's sunlight and for it to do so on us and all your people all over the country, all over the planet, daily. But we give thanks for a great service last week. And we left, as Margaret left us, and the church does what the church does best. It comes together and remembers people and helps others. And we give special thanks to God. And I smile at thought. The very day Margaret was, Margaret's funeral, we welcomed a grand and nephew into the world. She'd be smiling at that. We pray for those in our prayers this week, in our prayer books, in our minds, in our hearts. I ask you, Lord. So help us take a quiet moment to pray for those in our hearts and minds at this moment. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So we're going to sing again now, Open the Eyes of My Heart.
Thanks everyone for taking part this morning and thanks Jenny for your talk. Um, if you want to stay on, there is a prayer breakout room with Ron and Kate, um, or you can stay on and have a chat. But would you like to unmute yourselves and uh, we'll say the grace together. Mm. So, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.